Thank you for listening to this recording of Family Bible Church's Sunday morning message. We pray that God will use this word to bless and encourage you. We have been spending the last couple weeks considering the the topic of prayer. We've kind of laid aside our study of the book of Matthew um, for a few weeks. As we prepare for um, our week of prayer and fasting coming up, and it's only about two and a half weeks away. Um, two weeks away. See, today's the what? So whatever. It's, it starts on the 25th. So, so that's yes, two weeks. Say again? Yeah. Yeah, two weeks. Um, and so we've been considering then the importance of prayer in our individual lives and in the lives of the assembly as well as we've been preparing for that moment. And so um, over the last couple weeks, um, we have considered, thank you, the privilege of prayer, and the priority of prayer. And if you remember, the importance of that privilege that God has given to us um, cannot be overstated. Um, we are the, the bride of Christ. We are the, the children of God. And that He is the one who created the heavens and the earth and all that there is. And yet, as I shared in my testimony this morning, just it's, that He's overwhelming with me with it more and more and more all the time. I'm just a nothing. And who am I to be able to have the privilege to talk to the God who spoke, and it was. And yet to know that he wants that. And then we considered the, the priority of prayer, and the fact is that, in the place of prayer, that anything that's important in my life will be viewed um, by what I do. And so we saw that prayer then is communication with God in worship that is based upon our relationship with him, in that it is simply as... Ian Bounds shared, it's simply faith claiming its natural yet marvelous prerogatives, faith taking possession of its unlimitable, unlimitable for us, uh, inheritance. That we have such a wonderful thing at our disposal, and we just don't take, um, we don't take advantage of it. Prayer is an indicator of the importance of my relationship with God. Um, last week, we moved into the pattern of prayer. Um, Jesus was with his disciples, and his disciples were just much like us, and they, they asked him, they said, Lord, teach us how to pray. Not just teach us what prayer is, but teach us how to pray. And so Jesus said, in this manner, then, therefore, pray. And now, again, the warning to us is that Jesus also told us to not be like the Gentiles, not be like the pagans, who, when they pray, they use just vain repetitions, okay? And so growing up, we did our Our Fathers, you know, and that was a Sunday thing, you know, Our Father who art in heaven, help would bear that name. But this is a pattern prayer that he gives us, not a prayer that we're supposed to be quoting over and over again. If you want to know the prayer that Jesus actually gave for his disciples, you go to John 17, and you look at that. That is him praying. But we want to, though we're not going through this model prayer, boom, 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 we are using it alongside as we come along this. And there are um, various patterns that are used. And so um, you may have heard the word ACTS, A-C-T-S, Adoration, Confession, Thanksgiving, Supplication. You can use that if you want. Um, I don't like that one. i rather use the word pray by itself. And it's a good reminder to me of the, the different parts of prayer. And that is praise, repentance, or repent, asking, and then yielding. And that's exactly how Jesus prayed in this manner. And so last week I mentioned about the posture of prayer. And so if you kind of see this, and again, if this is only six weeks, and there's no way to be able to even share all this within six weeks. I've, I think I felt like the Lord was encouraging me this week that I might come to have a, um, a podcast, a daily podcast um, of, on prayer. That's going to be 
don't laugh when you hear it, but a, a five to ten minute little devotional. I mean, it's like, no way. I, I told, yeah, I told Sam five, yeah, I know. It's like, I told fa- Sam we were talking about it, and I said, five minute devotional, and then I stopped for a moment, and I said, okay, that's not true. Uh, maybe ten. And then I kind of started feeling like the, uh, the guy at the, um, oh, the, the bid, bidding war, you know, can I have 15, get I me 20, you know. Anyways, but the, the whole goal of it is just to do one verse. There is so much in God's word that's talking about this that we don't even get to share within even six weeks. We could spend weeks upon weeks on this, and still the magnitude of this privilege that we have, we can't share. But the posture of prayer, in the praise and repentance, if you think about it as a whole, is a posture of humbleness. We've got to come before God humbly. And remember that at the end, because I'm going to come back to that. That concept of just humility, of knowing who He is and who I am. Praise is remembering what? Who he is. Repentance is remembering who I am. Yeah, exactly. Okay, so that posture. And then we're moving today into this. Um, so that was last week. And then today we're going to be moving into this next phase of asking. I was going to do asking and yielding all in one lump sum today. And so you see that on your sermon note sheet. But as I began to work on this more and more and more, I said, there ain't no way. There's, I mean... You're already going to be feeling like the, the fire hydrant by the end, and, and you may be looking at your watch. So anyways, but next week we'll go into the yielding, because there's so much there about asking. And I'm not going to cover all those verses that are on your sheet, okay? I wanted to even put more on there, you know? But I, the, so the ones that are on there that we don't cover, just take home, read them, study them, and, and come up with your own and add to it, okay? Just, the, the, the again, the marvelous privilege that we have. And so we want to talk about the beginning phase of this promise of prayer, Okay, that we're going to talk about as we come, because um, with this time of prayer, we're given this promise that most of us know, we get it, you know, ask in my name, and what? You'll get it, okay? Well, there's a whole lot more to that, okay? But there's a promise in prayer as well. So as we have this posture of prayer, there's a promise in prayer, and we want to begin with this, this concept of asking. And in, in the requesting phase of this, if you would, there are two primary categories, if you would. How do you say this? They're both one and the same, but they're kind of split out a little bit. There's the, the, the intercession phase, and that's where we're praying on behalf of others. We're, we're putting, submitting requests to God on behalf of others. And then there's the supplication phase, which is really, to us, asking for ourselves. Although the word supplication is used biblically to refer to the request for others as well. Um, but predominantly, we see intercession is when you are interceding. And so, which is really kind of cool, because we know going into this, as we looked even at the first week, that Jesus Christ is what? Sitting at the right hand of God, doing? Interceding for us. And we're told in Romans chapter 8, that even when we don't know what to pray for, say again, the Holy Spirit intercedes for us. How cool is this? So all I'm doing when I'm interceding on behalf of others is actually doing something that God already does for me. How cool is that? In um, 1 Peter chapter 2, we're not going to go there, okay? Just a little bit aside, kind of bringing it all together. We're told that we are a royal priesthood. And if you read through that, okay, what you're going to see is that the priest does two things. A, he represents God to the people, and he represents the people to God, that's who we are in Christ. We represent God to the people. That's called evangelism. And we represent people to God. That's called intercessory prayer. How cool is that? We have the privilege 
of not being, there's only one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, I get that, okay? But we get the privilege, we have the privilege of, in a sense, being that intercessor between the two, of that great ministry of reconciliation that God wants, 2 Corinthians chapter 5. And so Paul says we have this ministry of reconciliation. We're made ambassadors, ambassadors. And so we're sent as, a, as, a, as an official royal representative of the king of the universe. You're not here haphazardly. God's got a purpose for you in this world. It is not for you just to get a kick out of the world. But you're his representative. And we, the, more, the, the more we get a glimpse of that, the more we get a realization of who we really are in his purposes, in his kingdom, it transforms everything. We don't think like the world anymore. The way the world thinks is turned upside down. Was it Maslow? The Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Just flip them. The, the, the base need of man, according to Maslow and according to the world's psychology, is, is survival. That is, that if you flip it upside down, we're told to do what? Just like Jesus. To take up your cross daily. To sacrifice yourself. It's the needs of others that are more important than yours. You're supposed to crucify yourself. When we begin to think like Jesus, when we begin to think like God, all of a sudden it's going to transform even our prayer life. Now, all of a sudden, our prayer life doesn't become a, a list of I want us. Does it make sense? It's all about what God wants us. Make sense? And so, as we come through this, we're going to be looking at um, some categories um, quickly coming through here. I've got the verses that I'm going to cover, I have all up here, okay? And so, um, I'll try to pause for a moment. You can try to go real fast in your, in your phone, on your tablet, or in your real book um, and, 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 and get there and, and read it yourself, okay? Um, but. Intercession. First of all, in the intercession, I, I got to start here. It's prayer for those who are in authority. We know this from 1 Timothy chapter 2. Paul states right off that bat, he says, Therefore, I exert, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks. Do you think he's got a laundry list of, of, of synonyms for what it means to pray? I mean, if you have any doubt what he's asking about, he's giving you every single word that's there. Okay? But, except for the word condemnation, right? There's <laughs> no condemnation there. Supplications, prayers, intercessions, giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and all who are in authority. Think about when Paul was writing this. Who was in authority? Nero, Caesar. What was Caesar, Nero, doing with the church? Persecuting him. Give me some illustrations. Crucifying them. That was just the best part. That was the easy part. Making them into torches. They were street lights in Rome. Say again. Gladiator fights, yes. Lions, feeding them to the lions. They were making sport out of them. I mean, and this is the one that Paul continually says, Romans 13, that we're supposed to submit to the governing authorities. We're supposed to honor the king. Peter, who in, 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 was in Rome in prison, tells us as well that in 1 Peter chapter 2 that we're supposed to honor the king and submit to the king. It's an amazing thing. I mean, think about it. Here we are today, and we have democracy, well, semi-democracy um, in our land. It's really more socialism just under a name. Anyways, sorry, no political speeches. And so, but here we are, we have freedom. We're gathering together. Are you worried right now that the Roman army, the German army, the American army is coming in? No, of course not. You have the right to bear arms as well. You have the right to even defend yourself. We're not sweating that yet. Give us 10 to 20 years. Okay? And so... We're not worrying about that just yet, okay? And yet, we still have a struggle to do what? 
pray. So be straight up. I asked this question when I went through this as well, even when President Obama was reigning in our land. Okay, How often do you pray for President Trump? You ought to be praying for him, praying that he has wisdom, praying that he has understanding. Pray if he's not saved that he gets saved. Pray for Mike Pence. Pray for Mike Pence and his wife, that they stand strong in their faith and they're able to be a testimony before the president of our land, that they're able to stand strong and be a testimony before the Congress and before the Senate. I mean, I praise God that Mike Pence is the vice president of our land. Do you pray for them daily? Why should we pray? That we may lead a quiet and peaceful life in all good godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of who? God. Who desires all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. And then he drops down in verse 8. He says, I desire therefore that men pray everywhere. And again, we know that that is literally men there. That's not the word anthropos, meaning mankind. That's andros, talking about us men. Men. We set the example. We need to be praying for all those who are in authority. Think about this, guys. Okay? So, ladies, close your ears for a moment. Okay? Don't use this as fodder against them. Okay? Especially you, Tammy. Okay? (laughs) (laughs) Sorry about this, Brian. Anyways, I'm joking. I got to perform their ceremony so many moons ago. Anyways, um, but 1 Corinthians 11 says that there is a hierarchical structure of authority. That the head of Christ is who? God. The head of man, Andros, head of man is Christ. The head of woman is man. So, military mindset here, right? We got a hierarchical structure. Okay? You got the private, you got the sergeant, you got the lieutenant, you got the captain, you got the major, you got the up, right? The private doesn't go to the company commander, he goes to his. Sergeant, okay? Hierarchical structure. We understand hierarchical structures. Jesus tells us, God tells us through Paul, hierarchical structure. The wife, the husband, Christ, the father. Okay? Guys, guys, if we're not praying for authority, and we don't care about authority, what does it say about for those that are under us? Do you get it? The authority structure's gone. We need to be respecters of authority because God has placed it throughout all of life. So anyways, for each of us then, okay, as a whole, first thing, prayer for those who are in authority. There is, again, other verses you can look at. Secondly, prayer for those who are in the body, okay? So in Philippians 1, verse 3, Paul says, I thank my God upon every remembrance of you, always in every prayer of mine, for you all, making requests with joy for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day unto now. And then he goes on and says, In this I pray that your love may abound still more and more in all knowledge and discernment, that you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere and without offense, being filled with the fruits of righteousness, which are by Christ Jesus to the glory and praise of God. So note what Paul is now praying for the body. He's not praying for Aunt Sally's dog. Make sense? Okay. And we'll get to some of these other things. But note when he prays for the body, what he's praying for. And there's, again, a lot of verses for you to look at on this one. Check me out. Okay. He wants for them that their love would abound, that they would approve things that are excellent, that they would be sincere, sincere and without stumbling blocks, being filled with the fruits of righteousness. So when you pray for others, 
in the assembly. I'm going to make that as a what? An assumption. Remember, Jesus says in Matthew chapter 6, when you pray, he makes the assumption that they're going to what? Pray. So, I'm asking, I'm making an assumption. When you pray for those in the assembly, because you should be daily praying for those in the assembly as well. When you pray for those who are in the assembly, does this look like your, your, your list for them? Or would you be praying more that they get a raise, they get a nicer house, they get a better car, they get a better job? Do your prayers mirror, and I'm not picking on you, I'm asking, do your prayers mirror what God's will is? And we'll talk about that later on as we go, okay? So your love may abound still more and more in knowledge and all discernment, okay? That you may approve the things that are excellent, that you may be sincere without offense, without offense, which is a stumbling block, okay? Being filled with the fruits of righteousness. And then he goes on in Ephesians, okay? At the end of the, the, the whole armor of God passage, right? And we, we know about the armor of God, the belt of truth, the breastplate of righteousness, the, having the feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the helmet of salvation, the sword of the spirit, the uh, shield of faith. But he says... In the end, he says, praying always with all prayer and supplication. For who? With all perseverance and supplication for all the saints and for me. And so Paul says, look, part of this armor of God thing is not just you. Not just about you, but it's about one another. So if you've been in, in the military, um, predominantly, I mean, I know that some of the Air Force and Navy does this sometimes, um, but predominantly... Army, I'm thinking here, and, and Marines would do this as well, but digging foxholes and setting up a, 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 a defensive perimeter, okay? And so I'm thinking um, specifically of my days, and, okay, and then we would dig double, double holes, okay, not single holes, double holes, okay? And when you, when you dug the double hole, when, you dug your, when you're, you're digging, digging your dirt, where are you putting it? Directly in front of you. And you're building a wall, a parapet, directly in front of you so that you can't see forward. And you're putting it to your side so you can't see necessarily beside you. Okay, it's not as high, but it's, you're putting it there too. The only place you're leaving is a window, either 1 o'clock, 2 o'clock-ish, if you would, 12.30 to 2.30, okay? And then over here from 9.30 to 11.30 kind of concept. You track what I'm saying? So I'm on the right side of my, of my foxhole, I got my buddy on the, on the left side of my foxhole, right? Our job at nighttime is to take a nap, right? No, not at all. <laughs> no, 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 no. Wrong answer if you said yes. No, you stay awake. Do you know who is relying upon the fact that I'm staying awake? Everybody down that, down that side of the line. And do you know what? I'm relying upon everybody who's on the left side of their foxhole staying awake to protect me. I don't really care about the guys on the right side because they're looking the other way. But I really care about the guys who are on the left side of the foxhole because I'm on, in this foxhole on the left side of them. You tracking what I'm saying? Okay? This is the prayer thing. I got my own armor. I got my own gun. I got everything else here. I'm, I'm, I'm here. But I'm relying upon everybody else to protect my position. What kind of prayer cover do we give each other? The prayer force is more important than the ground force. Do you get it? When the missionaries are out there, they're looking back to the prayer force saying, hey, we need coverage. When, when we went to Desert Storm duty, think this through. Desert Storm, okay, it's a war. What was the first thing we did when we attacked Iraq? We bombed. Bombed what? 
Your superiority, that's, uh, that's generality. What do we specifically do? Say again? Communications. We took out the communication lines. Because now all of a sudden the guys on the ground up front, on the front line, they couldn't communicate with anybody else. The next thing was that we, we took out the supply lines. We wiped out airports. We wiped out roads. Beans and bullets couldn't get to the front lines anymore. If you were on the front lines, you are the Iraqi Republican Army. You could not speak with anybody else, and you didn't get anything from them. All you knew was that the prayer force, the air force, if you would, was flying over. It was probably Navy, okay? And they were, and all you heard was, and the next thing you knew, you couldn't talk to anybody, and you weren't getting beans and bullets. You don't even know of what. Baghdad exists anymore. And so when we finally sent in our ground troops, what did the elite forces of Iraq do? They put up the white flag. That's exactly right. They put up the white flags. And they gave up without a shot being fired. Do you know what happens to the church? Too many times we give up without a shot being even fired. We have no one protecting us. It is each of our responsibility to pray for one another. To be the prayer force. And so, as Paul said, and for me, that utterance may be given to me, that I may open my mouth boldly to speak, to make known the mystery of the gospel. Paul's saying, look, there's a war going on. And I'm getting beat up. And we know this from the book of Acts, how there was a point where they sent him to Athens to get a little R&R because he was just being beat up. And he says, I, I need you to pray for me. I need you to pray because I really don't want to open my mouth up. I'm not looking forward to this thing. And so I need you to pray that God will make me open my mouth up and God will make me be bold. I covet your prayers. It was nice when I was a missionary with BMW. I had a, at least a little bit of a, a footing to ask people for prayer, right? To prayer. But the reality is we need to be praying for one another. That we would be bold. This Wednesday, we're going to start going out and knocking on doors again. Time's changed, so it's going to be light again um, at dinner time. And so we're going to switch it to Wednesdays rather than Tuesdays so that we're not taking up another night of the week. So if you want to come out, you can do that. But beginning at 6 o'clock-ish, we'll go out for about 45 minutes just to knock on doors. Okay, Just say, hey, we're here. We just want you to know that we're we want to minister to you. And then pray that maybe the door the Lord opens up a door and that we would then have the boldness to what? Share the gospel. Because these people aren't going to just come walk, knocking on our doors and say, hey man, can you give me the gospel? Wouldn't it be exciting if there was like a, a line going on, you know, and we we're like, oh man, we're going to gather for, together for worship. We'll have to talk to you later. Would we do that? No, of course not. But it's like, whoa, this is exciting, you know? And so... Our job is to go out to them. And so we covet your prayer, okay? If you want to become a new part, we'd love for you to come, okay? But otherwise, be part of the prayer force. Be praying that God is softening hearts. Be praying for the, the, the Good News Club that we're going to be going again tomorrow afternoon. Be praying, already be praying that God is softening the hearts of the kids that they come to know Jesus Christ as their Savior. That God is softening the hearts of, of, the, of the moms and dads. But pray for us, the body, who are going out that they would have what? Boldness to do this. Prayer for the body. Prayer for those who are enmity with you. Ooh. Ugh. Jesus said, you have heard it said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. I like that statement. Do you like that statement? We all love that statement, but we, no, we don't because we're in Christ now and we understand it's not the same. But in our flesh, we love that statement. You know, love your neighbor, hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies, bless those who curse you, do good to those who hate you, and pray for those who 
spitefully, not just those who use you, but those who spitefully use you and persecute you, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven. For he makes his son to rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. So, intercession, it's not just for, for, for the love, not just the authority, not just the ones you really enjoy, the body, but now we're going to go to the other extreme and we're supposed to be praying for those who are warring against us. Literally warring against us. They're, dis, they're spitefully using us. So, I was listening to um, um, a message the other day, and the man was talking about the, the, the power of this verse um, of blessing those who curse you. And he was talking about um, a missionary who was down in, in um, northern Africa. And anyways, a woman had gotten saved, and so there was um, the imam in town who started to persecute her. And so she then in return, began to bless him and went to his house and began to take care of his garden for him and all this kind of stuff. And he says, what are you doing? He says, she says, well, I'm blessing you. He says, why are you doing that? He says, because you made me. He says, what do you mean by that? Well, Isa says that, that to those who curse you, Oh, oh, and, and the imam put a curse on her. You know, the, the Muslims have the, the curses. So he put a curse on her. So the minute he put a curse on her, she knew she had to do this, right? She, she says, you cursed me. So the minute you cursed me, that meant I had to bless you. And so over time, he was so beat up by this that he wound up having her come into the mosque and began to teach the people all this and to live it out. Anyways, his life got changed. And so his superior heard about this. And he got called up into, I can't remember the town. Anyways, and so, again, the guy didn't like what he was doing, so he put a what? A curse on the imam. And so now the imam had to do what? (laughs) Started blessing him. Anyways, how cool, if if we would just do what God says, you know, I mean, the the world says, what? This is nuts. I don't get it. But eventually, they start to get the love of Christ. That's how God loved me. I was spitefully using him. I was only trying to get from God what I wanted, but I didn't want anything else from him. Thank you very much. It's okay if you're the, the, uh, the genie in my bottle. I pull you out whenever I want, and I say, I want this. And then you gladly grant it and do what? Back into your bottle. Until I what? Until I bring you out one more time. And so, as sons of my Father, right, we love as He loved. And so, we continue on. Stephen gave the perfect illustration of it. When he quoted, and I could have done this with Jesus on the cross, right? But I think it's more powerful, look, not even more powerful, but you know what I'm saying, with, with Stephen, because Stephen was purely just a man, right? He, he's, being, he's being stoned. They stoned Stephen, and as he was calling on God and saying, Lord Jesus received my spirit. Then he knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not charge him with this sin. And when he had said this, he fell asleep, which means he, he died. Wow, he's being stoned to death. He's not cursing. He's not crying out for legal counsel. He's blessing them. And he's asking God to forgive them. Just like Jesus did. For they know not what they do. They haven't got a clue what they're doing, Lord. 
please don't hold this to their account. Prayer for those with infirmity. So, those who are sick among you. Yes, there is time for praying for those who are sick. Okay, And so we're told this in James chapter 5. Clearly Jesus did this. Jesus was the intercessor, right? And while he was on the earth, he healed so many people, so many different things. So he interceded on their behalf. We don't see it as a prayer necessarily, but the fact is Jesus what? He healed them, okay? He interceded on their behalf. He didn't let them continue in this. And so we can go to him. I don't have the power to heal, but I have a relationship with the one who does. Make sense? So if, is anyone um, among you suffering? Let him pray. Is anyone cheerful? Let him sing psalms. Is anyone among you sick? Let him call the elders of the church and let him pray over them, anointing him with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer of faith will save the sick and the Lord will raise them up. Now, that word save... A lot of times, again, we misunderstand it. It doesn't necessarily mean that they're going to be healed in the way that we think of healing. It means that they're going to be delivered. Okay? And so just as in the same way in 1 Timothy chapter 2, that a woman, okay, it says that a woman will be saved through childbearing. It doesn't mean that she's going to go to heaven if she has kids. Does that make sense? And it doesn't mean that she won't have any um, pain at all. How many women can give me an amen on that? Right? Yeah, right. Okay? We do, amen, 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 amen. Okay? And so the reality is that what the promise is, that through it, you will be raised up. You will be delivered. Make sense? So that even while this is going on, because think about it, Paul had an infirmity, okay? Some people think it was his eye, whatever it was, okay? That he said that he prayed for, for the Lord to remove it. He, three times he prayed, and God kept telling him what? My grace is sufficient. So even Paul, who really had power from that perspective as a man goes, and had that relationship... God still told them no. Okay? So this doesn't necessarily mean that the person's going to have a healing, but they can be healed. Make sense? And we'll talk about that in just a moment. Okay? But they can be healed, but that says that they have to have faith. Okay? And we'll talk about that again in a moment. But I've done this a couple times where people have come and they've asked, can we pray over them? Yes, 100%. And I'll take the oil and I'll anoint them with oil. Why? Because God's word says so. Does it make sense? What does it do? It puts an oily mark on them. I don't know. I don't, it's not for me to know. Did he th- explain why? He doesn't explain why. He just tells us what? To do it. Do you get it? So mine's not to wonder why. Mine's just to do or die. Okay, it's a military thing, but you get it. Okay? So he tells us to do this, and he says, If anyone has committed sins, he will be forgiven. Confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed goes into that praying for, praying for one another again, okay? It's hard for me to pray for your forgiveness and pray for you to have strength against certain sins if you don't what? Tell me about them. Too many of us try to hide our infirmities. We're more willing to talk about my physical infirmities than my spiritual infirmities. But it's the spiritual infirmities that are going to kill you. You get it? I mean, the worst thing the world can do to me is the best thing they can do to me. They, they think they're going to kill me. Not, you can't kill me. You cannot kill me. I'm living forever. You may stop my tent, this thing I live in, from being existent on the earth in your view, but all you do is give me an early ticket to be in the presence of my Lord. How cool is that, right? And so, really, I, I, we ought to be, I ought to be more concerned about my spiritual infirmities than my physical infirmities. And so we ought to be honest in the confession, with one another, which means I have to trust you. I've been hurt before. Some of you know that. And I had a decision to make when I started the new church. Am I going to open myself up again? Oh, yes, I'm going to. 
Why? Because God's word tells me to. Make sense? I can't hide from it. Ultimately, my, the, the one I'm going to give an account to is more powerful than anybody on the earth who can hurt me. Yes? Pray for those who are in sin. Moses, this is about, um, talking about um, the children of Israel when they're out in the wilderness. And God wanted to wipe them out. He was, just, he was done with them. Okay? I think he was more testing Moses at this point. But Moses stands up to the test, and he says, God, don't do it. He says, then the Egyptians will hear about it, for by your might you brought these people up from the, among them, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. They have heard, Yahweh, that you are among these people, that you, Yahweh, are seen face to face, and your cloud stands above them, and that you go before them in a pillar of cloud by day and a pillar of fire by night. They've heard all about you, Yahweh. Please don't do this. I mean, you're gonna, it's going to destroy your glory. And now I pray, let the power of my Lord be great, just as you have spoken, saying, Yahweh is long-suffering and abundant in mercy, forgiving iniquity and transgression, but he by no means will clear the guilty, visit the iniquity of the father upon the children of the third and fourth generation. Pardon the iniquity, the sin of these people, I pray, according to the greatness of your chesed, your mercy, just as you have forgiven this people from Egypt even until now. Paul intercedes on behalf of the... God was going to start a new thing with Moses. Moses could have said, hey, God, go ahead, wipe him out. <laughs> start it all with me again. We're good. I'll be a new Abraham. That's cool. But he says, no, don't do it. Because it's all about your glory. It's all about your name. It has nothing to do with me. It has nothing to do with your people. It has everything to do with you. And now, according to your loving kindness, according to your mercy, do what you said. Please pardon their sins. And God what? God listens to Moses. And he pardoned them. Prayer for our daily needs. We read this again in Jesus' model prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. It takes your mind back again to the wilderness where they were given their daily what? Their daily bread. They had manna. What is it? I don't know. What is it? I don't know. It's what is it? It's what it was. That's what manna means. What is it? And so they got it every day. What did they get? What is it? I don't know. That's what they got every day. Kind of sounds like one of those... Uh, uh, Ab and Costello things, right? You know, going back, what is it? I don't know. You know, and that's what they got. What? I don't know. And, you know, anyways. And, and, and so two things. I love this. This is um, in um, Proverbs 30. And it's um, Agur. It's A-G-U-R. I think this is the words of Agur. And, um, and, he, and he's saying to Ithiel. Okay. And he says, part of this is, is this prayer to God. And it's just, it's just so awesome. I don't have time to go through all this, but... The rest of this is beautiful. And he says, Two things I request of you. Deprive me not before I die. Remove falsehood and lies far from me. Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with the food allotted to me. I've prayed this prayer as well. I just, God, I, I, I don't want fame. I, I, I got too much in my closet that I don't want exposed. Make sense? I know who I was before Jesus came into my life. I, I, don't, I, don't, I, don't, I don't want any of that smeared. Make sense? And I don't want it. I, I don't... I don't I don't need to have a huge house. All a huge house means is I got more space to clean. I got more taxes to pay. Uh, you, you get it? Okay. But it's, it's, it's kind of funny. I, I don't want that. I, I, Lord, I just want what I need for this day. And, I mean, and many of you, know, I, over the 15 years, 16 years, whatever it is now, planning a church, I, I've seen God give me my date. I mean, I don't know how my bills were paid at different points. But there was always money to pay my bills. 
He had checks in my mailbox right after I prayed. They were sent a week and a half before that. How did that go on? I don't know. But God does. God promises that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things, what things? Our needs, not our greeds, but even sometimes he gives us our our greeds because he's a good and loving God. But he's promised that if we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, then all these things will be added to you. He will not allow you to suffer in that way. Unless he has a what? A greater purpose in mind. You can always be assured of that. That if you're struggling in that manner, God's got a greater purpose. Now, if you're struggling because you have affluence and all of a sudden you don't have affluence and you're struggling with the fact that you can't pay for your affluence, that isn't God. Maybe that's God showing you that what? You went a little bit further in the affluence than you needed to go in the affluence. Make sense? That God didn't give you all the money for you. God gave you the money for his what? For his kingdom. And maybe you're using it for your kingdom rather than his kingdom. Anyways, just a little sidestep there, okay? Prayer for forgiveness. And so you've already talked about this. I thought it was really kind of fun, Tammy, because this is exactly where we're at. And I'm not using math or Mark 11, but I could have very well because that goes along with another point we have, and that is about prayer, the prayer of faith. And he puts it hand, hand in hand. But in this model prayer, again, so he prays, forgive us this day our daily bread, right? And he says, forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who what? Do you note the, 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 the conditional that's going on there? Forgive me as what? Just like I forgive other people. Do you get it? That means if you're holding things and being better toward other people, you're saying to God, what? That's what I want you to do for me. Not a fun place to be in. And then he goes on, he says, For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. That's an ouch. So don't forgive just so you be forgiven. That's still you. It's still all about you. But still, let that start generating in your brain a little bit, okay? And getting that thing together there. That I need to love like God loves. Make sense? And when I start loving like God loves, doors are open, wide open for me. Prayer for deliverance from evil. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Jesus said to his disciples, watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. That comes from when they were in the garden. Luke 22, you have that on your sermon note sheet, that that version of it. You can go and look at that later. But that's when Jesus had said to Peter, Peter, i got something to say to you. Peter says, say on. He says, Satan has asked to tempt you, has asked to sift you like wheat. Therefore, when you are converted, encourage your brethren. Which again, you've heard me talk about, right? That means, Peter, Satan has asked to, to sift you like wheat. I said what? Go ahead, you can have them. And Peter, I'm telling you something. You're going to what? You're going to fall flat in your face. But when you are converted, when you are restored, when you are revived, then turn around and encourage your brethren. Why else would he say, when you are restored? (laughs) That means he what? He's going to fall. So they go out into the garden. And he takes Peter, James, and John with them. A stone's throw, right? 
And he says to them specifically, pray so you don't fall to temptation. And then he goes off and he prays by himself and he comes back an hour later and he finds them sleeping. He wakes them up and says this thing, watch and pray lest you fall into temptation. Watch, it's the word Gregorian, okay? It's like where we get our word Gregory. It means vigilant, be vigilant. You're on the watch. It's like, the again, it's in that foxhole thing, you know? I've got to be vigilant. I've got to be watching because the enemy, the 82nd Airborne, were coming, okay? That was in my, my little training days, right? And so we go to Fort Bragg and, and someone let it, you know, let it slip. They didn't come all night. Anyways, but they let it slip that the 82nd Airborne were going to come against us. Well, then you're what? You're awake all day, you know, or all night waiting for the 82nd Airborne to come against you because we'd already seen what the 82nd Airborne could do. I watched them come across a field in the broad daylight and we never saw them. They, they would put bushes going this way off their backs. So when they were on the ground, it looked like the field was full of bushes and, and weeds and stuff like that. And we didn't know that the bushes and weeds were ever so slowly moving <laughs> until all of a sudden they stood up real near us. Oops! That's what real war is like. Satan is that deceiver. Make sense? And we've got to be vigilant. We've got to be on our guard. Temptation doesn't come at an hour when you're expecting it. It usually catches you when you're unawares, right? That's what it's all about. And so, so Jesus says to them, he says, pray, pray, pray. And they slept, slept, slept. And then when the temptation, the troublesome situation came, they what? Fell, fell, fell. That's exactly right. Deny, deny, deny. Before the cock crows, you will deny me three times. Jesus kind of knew what he was talking about. Prayer for wisdom and understanding. If any of you lacks wisdom, let him ask of God, who gives to all liberally and without reproach, and it will be given him. How exciting is this? Now, we're going to get to the next verses after that in just a moment, okay? Because if you know this passage, you know there's something that's going on with this, okay? But note the promise. I want you to note the promise. If you lack wisdom, ask God, who gives to all liberally, and it will be given to him. Then Manoah prayed to Yahweh and said, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God... Who's Manoah? Does anybody know who Manoah is? And that's not Ma Noah. It's not Noah's mom. Samson's dad. That's right. Because he wasn't there that day. But Manoah's wife, all we know is her by his, Manoah's wife. Then an angel of the Lord came to see, speak to Manoah's wife and told Manoah's wife that she was going to have a son and that he was supposed to live as a um, Nazarite. Thank you. And uh, so Manoah then prays to God. This is exciting. He's, he doesn't even know James 1. It's not written yet. It's written thousands of years later. But he's living it out. And he says, Manoah prayed to Yahweh. <coughs> Yahweh, I know I'm not supposed to come to you directly. I know I'm supposed to go through an intercessor. He doesn't say that, does he? So even there in the Old Testament, they get it. They were allowed to specifically, individually, go to God in prayer. And he prays to Yahweh and says, Oh, my Lord, please let the man of God, whom you sent, come to us again and teach us by what we shall do for the child who will be born. And God listened to the voice of Manoah. How cool is that? Just a little nugget there. I mean, just, <clears throat> they're out in the field. They're in the middle of nowhere. They weren't in the temple. They weren't in the tabernacle. He didn't go to the high priest. He's just kind of out there. And he just cries to God. He didn't get the vision. 
In fact, when the answer comes, you know where the angel of God goes? He goes back to Manoah's wife. God answers a prayer, but he goes back to Manoah's wife. And she says to the angel, hey, can you kind of hang on for a second? I want to go get my husband. <laughs> and so he, he said, yeah, isn't it hilarious? Think about it. And so the angel stays. <clears throat> we think that's Jesus, okay, incarnate, the angel of Yahweh. And so he hangs out for Manoah to come and for Manoah to intercede with him. What a beautiful thing. If you lack wisdom and lack understanding, get it. Proverbs chapter 2. If you cry out after knowledge, if you lift up your voice for understanding, if you seek her as silver and search for her as hidden treasure, then you shall understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord giveth wisdom. Out of his mouth comes wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Okay? It's just a beautiful passage. Okay? The promise is there. Now we want to move on. Um, Oh, special needs. Sorry. Special needs. Forgot about special needs. Hannah... um, Again, prayed in bitterness of heart, right? And what did she pray for? She asked for a child. Now, does it mean that everybody who is childless, God doesn't answer their prayers? Not necessarily. God has a what? Another purpose for them. But the idea is that still, God does hear this prayer. And so we're told in the very end here that Yahweh remembered her. Yahweh remembered Hannah. Hannah cried out to God. God heard Hannah, and he answered her prayer. So sometimes there are special needs, big needs. But then he who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we ever ask or think, hears that prayer, and with whom nothing is impossible, he speaks, and it's accomplished. Conditions of the request. Praying in faith and praying in obedience. We've got to move quickly. Praying in faith. So now we come back to that James 1 passage where it says that when you ask um, that God gives all men liberally and God will answer him, but it goes on then with his condition and says, if any of you lack wisdom, let him ask of God who gives all liberty. Okay, And he goes on, he says, but let him ask in faith with no doubting, for he who doubts is like a wave of the sea, driven and tossed by the wind. For let not that man suppose that he will receive anything from the Lord. He is a double-minded man, unstable in all his ways. God says, look, you need to ask by faith. You need to believe that I'm really going to do it. If you don't believe it, why are you even talking about it? Why are you even coming to me? You need to believe I'm going to do it. I hate when my kids come to me and they start off with whether they're going to ask for a movie or whatever, a game or whatever, and they're going to say, oh, never mind, you're not going to do it. Well, then don't even ask. <laughs> don't, don't try to use uh, backward, uh, reverse, reverse psychology on me. You know, I get all that, you know. You either, you either come to me asking... Because you believe I'll grant this request, or don't ask at all. Now, I can still say what? No, because I am sovereign in my house. Make sense? It's, it's, it's my right to say yay or nay to the requests that are given to me. If I say no, it's generally because I have something else that's in, t- in, in store. Or I know something more. Maybe you are getting too accustomed to watching movies all the time, and you need to hear a no. You can put that in whatever your little life it is, okay? Too many times, we don't like hearing what? And we do that with God, don't we? I can't believe you don't ask him. I thought you were the genie in the bottle. Okay, no. <laughs> come, come talk to me again when we have a different attitude, when you're a little bit humble of heart. But you need to ask in faith. You need to ask believing that God will actually do this for you. Jesus answered and said to them, Surely I say to you, if you have faith and do not doubt, you will not only do as was done to the fig tree. What was done to the fig tree? 
It withered. How did it wither? With what? It sort of was cursed. How was it withered? Jesus commanded it to be cursed. He went to the tree and it didn't give him the fruit that he was expecting. We can debate all that. I'm not getting into the theology of that, okay? It didn't give him what he wanted, and he what? He said, be withered. And what happened to the tree? It withered. Just like when he was in the, in the boat, and they woke him up, and they said, Lord, we're, we're going to die. And he looked at the wind and the seas, and he said, what? Be still. He says, if you believe in that same way, not only what was done to the fig tree, but also if you say to the mountain, be removed and cast into the sea, it will be done for you. And whatever things you ask in prayer, believing you will receive. When I was in Israel many moons ago, and Gordy Franz, archaeologist, was our, our, our guide, he had so much scripture memorized. It just inspired me. It was really exciting. And um, we were standing there on a hillside um, looking toward the south. And you could see Herodian from there. Now, if you don't know what Herodian is, Herodian was a mountain that Herod built. That's why it's called Herodian. And he had his castle, his palace inside it as, as a means of defense. And so he had had them move dirt from everywhere and literally create this small mountain, big hill. Okay? And then he hollowed it out and built his, his palace inside it. And so you could almost see Jesus standing there and say, if you have faith, not only what was done to that fig tree, but you could say to this mountain, be moved and cast into the sea. And it would be done for you. Now, a lot of times we talk about those mountains being what? The mountains of our life. But the fact still is, do you really believe, do you really believe that God is able to take Lust of the flesh from you? Or don't you really want it to be taken from you? Do you really believe it will take the lust of the eyes from you? Or don't you really want that to be taken? I mean, honestly, if we, and we can break down the different parts of lust of the flesh and the different parts of lust of the eyes and the pride of life, right? I'm not going to go there. But I've got to ask myself, am I really asking in faith? Do I really want it gone? Do I really want it gone? Or do I actually inwardly Enjoy just a little taste of the cheesecake. I don't want cheesecake totally taken away. God took my donuts away. I won't tell you what I prayed about years ago, and I really, I meant it that I wanted God to, to, to keep me from something. And so I come up with a milk allergy. So in my mind, God answered my prayer. Not the way that I wanted it to, but I can't eat donuts and all that kind of, I mean, all pastries and everything, almost everything is made with what? Milk, when it comes to that kind of good stuff. And so it's, you don't put pounds on as much when you don't eat all the sugar that goes along with the milk. You can kind of ask, figure out what my prayer request was. And, and, and so, but God answered it, just not the way that I, <laughs> I thought, I, what I meant by it was what? No, I want to eat whatever I can, I just don't want to gain pounds. <laughs> let's, be, let's be honest, right? That's, it's the truth, okay? God says, no, I know better than you. But you, it's a good request. I'll answer your request for you. I'll just not answer it in the way that you wanted it. But you have to believe. Believe. I believe that God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that I ask or think. I can do all things. Finish it. Through Christ who strengthens me. I can't do all things by you know, myself. But with the power of Christ, if he puts it in my path to accomplish it, guess what? 
It's a done deal. If there's a mountain in the pathway that he wants me to travel, that mountain's going to go. It's going to go because of me, not because of me, because of him. Developers can't figure out how we got this property. It was open. It took us a year and a half, two years, to get the property. Somebody could have outbid us, but the federal bank finally came back to us and said, would you take it for our extremely low offer that they laughed at for a couple years? But God blinded the eyes of everybody else. And they finally asked us to buy it for our ridiculously low offer. I almost wanted to hold on and say, no, I think we're, we're dropping our price now. <laughs> Anyways, I wouldn't do that because God told us what we're going to get it for. And so... It's an amazing thing. God is able to do exceeding abundantly. But all that you ever ask or think, he can do that. Prayer and obedience. One who turns away his ear from hearing the law, even his prayer is an abomination. Ooh. If I regard sin, iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear. Husbands, likewise, dwell with them, your wives, with understanding, giving honor to the wife as to the weaker vessel and as being heirs together with grace of life, that your prayers may not be hindered. Guys, when you don't treat your wives properly, guess what? God says, I'll treat you the same way. So think about that. Move on. Prayer. In the end, then. 1 Peter 5 says, therefore, what? Humble yourselves. That's the what? Posture of prayer. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. What's that? That's the promise of prayer. The two sides of prayer. That's the, the, the praising and repenting, then the asking and yielding. We're going to talk about the yielding next week as we move on to persistence in prayer and perseverance in prayer as well. Okay? But in the end, what does your prayer life reveal about your relationship with God? Does your prayer life consist of a grocery list of items that you want? Or are you God-focused or self-focused in that? Would your supplications be categorized more as worldly desires or heavenly yearnings? The more you are conformed to the image of Christ, the more there'll be heavenly yearnings. What we focus on in our prayer is an indicator of the focus of our hearts. Therefore, is there a need to change the way we think and therefore change the way we act? Changing the way we think is the word repent. It's for us as believers as well, not just for unbelievers. We need to change the way we think. Let's pray. Father, thank you for your love to us. Thank you for your goodness to us. Lord, we know that you are able to do exceeding abundantly above all that we ever ask or think. And so, God, we, we lay these things before you in knowing that it is your desire for, for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of truth. And so, God, I pray that, first of all and foremost, you would cause me and every individual in this room, Lord, that we would become conformed to your image and likeness. Lord, that we would offer our bodies as living sacrifices which is our, just our reasonable act of worship, and that we would not be conformed to the world, but rather we would be transformed in the renewing of our minds, that we might be able to prove what is your good and acceptable and perfect will. Lord, that we would, we would forget the things which are behind. We would press toward the mark for the prize of the high call of God in Christ Jesus, that you, Father, would be exalted in our lives. And Lord, I pray then that as you do that, and as we begin to take on the mind of Christ and we consider the needs and the desires and the, the importance of others being more important than ourselves. Lord, that we would look at our neighbors, we would look at those that are in our midst, understanding that they are made in your image and likeness. And Lord, that we would have a passion, a burden to see them come to know you. Lord, that they wouldn't just be inconveniences in our life, but Lord, that we would see that you have allowed them to be placed, juxtaposed into our lives 
in order that we might be that living witness, that we might be the agents of reconciliation to them. Lord, help us to pray then for them. Help us to pray that, um, that you would show mercy to them. Help us to pray that we would have the words to speak that they could hear. Lord, help us to see this neighborhood be transformed for you. Lord, I pray for more families that go um, with their kids going to, um, to the school across the street. Lord, that, that you would be magnified. Oh, Father, that, that we would see them come and that we would be, see them discipled and trained up in your word and in your truth and their lives would be changed and their families would be changed and it would continue to spread on into the extended families. Lord, I know that that is your desire, that is your will for all men to be saved and come to the knowledge of the truth. So I ask, God, that you would conform us, that we would be prepared, that we would desire it, that we would do it, and that you would show us how faithful you are. In Jesus' name, amen.